European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 38, Issue 37, Focus Issue on Blood Pressure, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. High Blood Pressure, New Frontiers of an Old Risk Factor When Franklin D. Roosevelt succumbed to a fatal cerebral hemorrhage on April 12, 1945, his personal physician, Admiral Ross T. McIntyre, said, came out of clear sky, although FDR's blood pressure averaged 340 over 190 millimetres of mercury. A few years earlier, in 1937, the seminal cardiologist of the time, Paul Dudley White, suggested hypertension may be an important compensatory mechanism which should not be tampered with, even were it certain that we could control it. At that time, no effective remedy was available to lower blood pressure, nor was there evidence that such intervention would prevent major cardiovascular and cerebrovascular events, similar to the one FDR succumbed to. Today, we have numerous registries and trials supporting the notion that blood pressure is a major risk factor for individuals and across generations. Lowering blood pressure with diuretics, beta blockers, inhibitors of the renin-angiotensin system and calcium antagonists alone, or in combination, are protective and prevent myocardial infarction, stroke and death. The better we get at lowering blood pressure, the more a precise measurement of this vital parameter becomes important. Therefore, the current opinion entitled Validation of Non-Invasive Central Blood Pressure Devices Artery Society Task Force Consensus Statement on Protocol Standardization by James E. Sharman from the University of Tasmania in Australia is very timely. He notes that brachial cuff blood pressure is clinically important but may be an inaccurate substitute for central blood pressure. Many non-invasive devices have been developed that purport to estimate central blood pressure from peripheral artery sites yet the accuracy testing of these new devices has not been undertaken in a uniform fashion. This paper describes the recommendations of an international task force. These recommendations are endorsed by the Association for Research into Arterial Structure and Physiology, or Artery, Society, as well as the European Society of Hypertension, or ESH, Working Group on Arterial Structure and Function, and the ESH Working Group on Blood Pressure Monitoring and Cardiovascular Variability, and, as such, should guide this field in the future. Blood pressure is a very variable parameter, as documented by 24-hour recordings. Whether mean blood pressure, or rather blood pressure surges, are most important remains uncertain. In a clinical research article entitled Visit to Visit Variability of Blood Pressure and Cardiovascular Outcomes in Patients with Stable Coronary Heart Disease, Insights from the Stability Trial, Philippe Gabriel Steg and colleagues from the Bichard Claude Bernard Hospital in Paris, France, aimed to study the relation between visits to visit variability of blood pressure and cardiovascular risk in 15,828 patients from the stability trial with stable coronary heart disease. 
mean and standard deviation of average blood pressure during the first year was 131 plus 13.7 millimeters of mercury systolic and 78 plus 8 millimeters of mercury diastolic. Visit to visit standard deviation was 9.8 plus 4.8 millimeters of mercury systolic and 6.3 plus 3 millimeters of mercury diastolic. During 2.6 years of follow-up, 1,010 patients met a composite of time to cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, or stroke. In Cox regression models, adjusted for average blood pressure during the first year, baseline vascular disease, treatment, renal function, and cardiovascular risk factors, the primary endpoint was associated with a hazard ratio for highest versus lowest tertile of the standard deviation of systolic blood pressure of 1.3 and for diastolic blood pressure of 1.38. Peaks and troughs in blood pressure were also independently associated with adverse events. Thus, in patients with stable coronary heart disease, higher visit-to-visit -visit variabilities of both systolic and diastolic blood pressure are strong predictors of increased cardiovascular risk, independently of mean blood pressure. These intriguing findings are put into clinical context in a timely editorial by Michael A. Weber from the State University of New York Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Hypertension is a primary risk factor for stroke. In addition, post-stroke hypertension appears to be associated with outcome, although the results have been conflicting. Sripal Bangalore and colleagues from the New York University School of Medicine address this issue in their article Blood Pressure and In-Hospital Outcomes in Patients Presenting with Ischemic Stroke in 309,611 Patients with an Ischemic Stroke. Admission systolic and diastolic blood pressure was used to compute mean arterial pressure and pulse pressure. There was a J-shaped slash U-shaped relationship between systolic blood pressure and outcomes. Both lower and higher systolic blood pressure values compared with a central reference value had higher risk of in-hospital death with an adjusted odds ratio of 1.16 for 120 versus 150 millimeters of mercury and 1.24 for 200 versus 150 millimeters of mercury. Those not discharged home had an odds ratio of 1.11 for 120 versus 150 millimeters of mercury and 1.15 for 200 versus 150 millimeters of mercury. Furthermore, the inability to ambulate independently at discharge had an odds ratio of 1.16 for 120 versus 150 millimeters of mercury and 1.09 for 200 versus 150 millimeters of mercury. However, risk of hemorrhagic complications of thrombolytic therapy was lower with lower systolic blood pressure, while higher with higher systolic blood pressure. The results were largely similar for admission diastolic blood pressure, mean arterial pressure, and pulse pressure. The authors conclude that in patients hospitalized with ischemic stroke, J-shaped or U-shaped relationships were observed between blood pressure variables and short-term outcomes. However, hemorrhagic complications with thrombolytic therapy were lower with lower blood pressure. 
The clinical meaning of these complex results is discussed in an excellent editorial by Robert Califf from the Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina, USA. Noise is a more recent risk factor that has increasingly been documented in experimental and clinical studies. Noise obviously activates the sympathetic nervous system, a prime blood pressure regulatory system. Indeed, epidemiological studies indicate that traffic noise increases the incidence of hypertension, coronary artery disease, Takotsubo syndrome, stroke, and death. The underlying mechanisms, however, remain largely unknown. In their basic science paper, Effects of Noise on Vascular Function, Oxidative Stress and Inflammation, Mechanistic Insights from Studies in Mice, Thomas Munzel and colleagues from the Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz, Germany, remind us that field studies with nighttime noise exposure demonstrate that aircraft noise leads to vascular dysfunction which is markedly improved by vitamin C, suggesting a key role of oxidative stress in causing this phenomenon. In their novel animal model, peak sound levels of 85 A-weighted decibels and mean sound levels of 72 A-weighted decibels applied by loudspeakers for four days caused an increase in systolic blood pressure, plasma noradrenaline and angiotensin II levels and induced endothelial dysfunction. Specifically, noise increased ENOS expression, but reduced vascular NO levels due to ENOS uncoupling. Furthermore, noise increased circulating levels of nitrotyrosine, interleukin-6, and the vascular expression of the NADPH oxidase subunit, NOX2, nitrotyrosine-positive proteins, and of endothelin-1. Fax analysis demonstrated an increase in infiltrating natural killer cells and neutrophils into the vasculature. Comparative illumina sequencing of transcriptomes of aortic tissues from aircraft noise-treated animals displayed significant changes of genes in parts responsible for the regulation of vascular function, vascular remodeling, and cell death. Thus, this animal model enables future studies of the molecular mechanisms and in turn mitigation strategies and pharmacological interventions to protect from noise-induced vascular damage. These novel findings are put into context in an editorial by Keith M. Channon from the University of Oxford in the UK. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.